Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Over 50 million people have dementia, and it's estimated that nearly 10 million new cases of dementia are reported every single year. Alzheimer's is the most common form of dementia, and it may contribute up to 60 to 70% of all dementia cases. Uh, Typically, this is found in the older population. However, it is not a normal part of aging. And when it comes to dementia, a lot of times we're a little bit too late because we don't focus on preventative strategies to prevent dementia. Instead, we wait until our brain starts to decline and we have to try and minimize the decline of our brain health. What's up, everyone? I'm Brian Carroll, and I'm here to share nutrition and fitness tips to make wellness less complicated. And today's topic is one of those ones that's hard not to make complicated because dementia and Alzheimer's is a very complicated disease. My guest today, Cindy Santa Anna, she works at the Amons Clinic, and they work a lot with dementia and uh, brain health. And so they, they run a bunch of different tests. They check brain scans. They do all sorts of things when it comes to the brain. So she's here joining us to talk about what it is that they do over there at the Amons Clinic to help people to minimize the impact of dementia and Alzheimer's and other brain health issues. But before we dive into this episode, this episode is brought to you by our friends over at Garmin. Garmin has a wide variety of fitness and outdoors watches that I absolutely love, and I have right now one of the Phoenix Series watches. The beauty of having one of these wellness tracking watches is that you can you can measure different analytics, such as your sleep quality or the number of steps that you take throughout the day or your heart rate or your heart rate variability. So it's amazing now that we have this technology that we can wear something on our wrist and we can track all these different measurements just from one device. On top of that, you can also check the time. You can see notifications from your phone. It's just amazing how far technology has come. Garmin provides a whole range of different watches from very basic uh, wellness trackers all the way up to the Phoenix series, which is like the top of the line outdoors watches. And you can learn more about these watches at summitforwellness.com slash Garmin. Well, let's dive right into my episode with Cindy Santana to talk all about brain health and what we can do to try to prevent or minimize the impact of dementia and Alzheimer's. Cindy Santana is a nutritional therapy consultant, integrative nutrition health coach, and culinary nutrition expert. She is the author of Unprocessed Living, Three Steps to Transition into Healthy Eating. Cindy teaches culinary nutrition cooking classes in Northern Virginia, where she teaches people how to use food as medicine. She has a private practice also in Northern Virginia, but also works virtually with clients all over the U.S. and works at the Amons Clinic's Brain Health Clinic in D.C. as well. Her primary focus is women over 40 with a hormone imbalance and autoimmune disease, and her website is unlockbetterhealth.com. Thank you so much, Cindy, for coming on to the show. Thanks for having me. Of course, and let's dive into your background because you kind of have a wide range of different things that you do. So I would love to hear a little bit about the nutrition stuff and how you incorporate cooking into that. So I actually got into this field because I turned 40 and was a complete mess. I couldn't make it through the day without a nap, without my, you know, if, and if my two and four year old didn't nap, I was like screaming mommy. I was a mess. I was also 50 pounds overweight. And at 40 years of age, I was on four medications. So I kind of woke up one day and I said, I don't think this is right. I don't think that I should be on medication this early. And, you know, I had a lot of illness and cancer and disease in my family. And I didn't, I didn't want to go down that same path. 
So I actually sought out the help of a, of a health co coach and changed my diet. She introduced me to some local farmers. I started eating grass-fed meats and sourcing from a farmer's market, learning how to cook my own food because I, I really didn't know how to cook, especially how to make a, you know kale or what even kale was. <laughs> and this was about 10 years ago. So um, I, I completely changed my diet. And within six to eight months, I had lost 50 pounds. I got rid of all of my medication and I reversed my high cholesterol, my autoimmune thyroid disease. Um, I had frequent illnesses like bronchitis and sinus infections that were actually due to a dairy allergy that I didn't know I had. So I stopped eating dairy. All of that went away. I wasn't sick anymore. I was healthy and thriving and I had energy and confidence and I felt fantastic. And I was like, why aren't more people doing this? <laughs> why well, I have to share this with everybody that I know. And so I, I just started small with blogging and sharing with friends and family. And then I decided that um, I wanted to take my own degree, which used to be um, what, what it was physical education and health. And I minored in community health. So I had a passion for it. I just deviated away from all of that. So I went back to nutrition school became a health coach. And then as years progressed, I wanted to learn more. So then I went to a culinary school to learn um, how to make dairy-free, gluten-free, plant-based foods really healthy and how to use food as medicine, which was a you know fantastic culinary nutrition school. And then on to Nutritional Therapy Association because I really wanted to get at the root cause of what is driving some of these health concerns for people. And so um, I've been in practice for... Um, fully 10 years now and loving what I'm doing and using my passion and my experience to help mostly women over 40 um, achieve better health. And I love that you put focus into the cooking side of it because um, when the gluten-free, dairy-free stuff started coming out, a lot of the food tasted terrible because people didn't really know how to work with those type of ingredients. And now the food is getting a lot better and it's pretty palatable. So it's cool to see people that are focused on that and trying to make super palatable foods. Um, you had mentioned that you discovered the dairy uh, sensitivity was causing a lot of health issues for you. Was that your health coach kind of guiding you to get tested or did you just remove dairy and that's what you discovered? Yeah. So in the beginning I actually removed the dairy because um, I had like a little bit of a post nasal drip. And she's like, you know, I think you have a dairy allergy. And so um, I would like, <clears throat> I would cough, <clears throat> clear my throat a lot. And she's like, I think you should do an experiment. Go off dairy for two or three weeks. See how you feel. After week one, that post-nasal drip had stopped. I'd stopped that little cough. Every night when I'd lay in bed at night, I'd kind of cough for a few minutes. And, and that went away. So that propelled me to try it for another week. And um, I was like, okay, this is crazy. I so so then eventually I actually um, got tested, and sure enough, I had a full-on IgE food allergy to dairy. So and and pretty much after speaking with my mom and talking about when I was growing up and the issues, the health issues that I had when I was younger, I pretty much had this my entire life since I was a baby. So. Um, it's just really important to get in tune with our bodies and listen to those signs and symptoms. They're silently screaming at you <laughs> to stop eating something. And we have to listen to that. We have to honor that. And a lot of times people get so used to, you know, having to clear their throat or having that mucus in their throat yeah. um, that they don't really recognize that that could be a problem. Um, now, have you tried different types of dairy? Like, have you tried um, goat's milk and stuff? and to see if that's any different or do you have the same issues? Yeah, I actually, um, so when I stopped eating cow's dairy and I even went to organic, I even went to, um, I used to source from an Amish farm nearby. I'm in Northern Virginia and I, I would get, you know, or, you know, organic, like the best, you know, raw milk that you can, you can get. And I still had the issue. Um, you know, and some people, you know, may not. It's a completely bio-individual factor. You you have to, you know, try those different things. And if you still have that mucus production or if you have GI issues, um, gas, bloating, belching, tooting, constipation, diarrhea after consuming dairy products, 
So you, you have to listen to that. Um, I actually, um, my food allergy test still said that the, the casein and the goats, the goats was actually an, an issue for me too. So I just avoid it completely and stick to, you know, coconut milk or making my own homemade cashew milk, which is fantastic and tastes amazing versus the stuff that you buy in the grocery store. Um, so yeah, I, I just stick to those. And so you work at the Amons Clinic and you help out with a lot of the brain health stuff that uh, they do over there. And you kind of got thrown into that role a little bit. So can you talk about that process and how you started learning how to help people with um, brain health, especially Alzheimer's and dementia? Absolutely. Yeah. So a few years ago, a friend of mine in the field um, said, hey, somebody um, in your area is looking um, for nutritionists at the Amon Clinic. And I thought, oh, wow. I remember back in my very first nutrition school, Dr. Daniel Amon was one of my instructors. And he actually came and spoke to us in a nutrition conference. And it was um, for me, it was very life changing. I um, listened to one of his talks and Basically, he showed a brain scan of a woman who was 40 years old, and the brain scan showed all these holes and divots and pivots in her brain, and um, she was a moderate drinker, slightly overweight, didn't sleep super great, wasn't super active, moderately stressful job, and I was thinking, wow, uh, that's me on that, you know, that's, that, that could be my brain. So um, he said we stopped alcohol completely for six months. She, you know, ate a healthy diet and um, she, you know, started sleeping better. We started getting her moving, started working on stress management. And then he showed the brain scan six months later, completely filled in all those areas of the brain that had those divots and pivots that weren't receiving oxygen were now full again. She had lost the weight. She was thriving. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I have to do this. So I stopped drinking completely for you know two years I had no alcohol and um and then you know a couple of years and later i so i i met um dr amen and was hired at the amen clinic here locally in dc and i also do some of their um consulting for the new york office um but i i didn't know anything about Alzheimer's dementia, except for just some personal history with my grandmother, who's now 87 and suffering pretty seriously with um, cognitive issues and losing her keys and not knowing some family members and names and pretty much all of her short term memory is gone. So so I only knew it from just my personal experience. And and but I just you know stuck to what I what I've learned and and I know about you know food and um, lifestyle and um, movement and and sleep and stress and so that's what I really you know try to focus on with our clients there. And uh, you mentioned to me before uh, we started recording that at the. Amon's clinic, there's an entire team working with people who have Alzheimer's and dementia, and you kind of focus on um, the food side of it. Can mm -hmm. you talk about what those other branches of support are? Yeah, so at the Amon clinic, it's a very integrative, holistic approach. So we have, you know, integrative psychiatry, we have functional medicine doctors, and we have nutritionists, and everyone has a role in working with a client when they come in, because usually they've been to their conventional medicine, medicine doctor, they might have been given one of the two or three medicines that are on the market for Alzheimer's, I'm using air quotes, <laughs> that, you know, don't work. There's just, they, they just don't work. And they cause more side effects than they do actually help. Um, dementia, brain health, uh, cognitive issues, it needs to, to be attacked with um, an integrative approach. You need to look at your food. You need to look at your health history. Did you have exposure to toxins? Um, how is your gut microbiome? Um, do you have inflammation? Um, and actually, one of the first you know steps in blood tests we do is the APO genotype. Are you more at risk for Alzheimer's because you have this carrying this gene, the APOE genotype? You have a higher risk. So that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get it because we know that that's just genetics. It's the epigenetics that switches or turns on that gene. So we look at your inflammation markers, your C-reactive protein, your homocysteine levels. Um, do, do, do you have infections like Lyme, co-infections that come with that? 
And what is your hormonal status? Have you had a full thyroid panel, um, vitamin D levels? Um, for women, you know, we look at, and men, we, we look at this, you know, sex hormones, you know, um, most people um, over the age of 50, declining hormone levels correlates with memory issues. And so we really have to attack this and have a very proactive, preventative approach um, to brain health. So if you're in your 30s and 40s now, it's time to start acting like you have this and let's prevent it. Because some of the lifestyle, lifestyle factors, you know, in our 20s and 30s and even our 40s, um, aren't really contributing to great brain health, like like excessive drinking and staying up too late, or um, you know the party until wee hours in the morning when you're younger. This this all can have a cumulative effect. If it's a one timer kind of thing, it's no big deal. You know, <laughs> you have to celebrate and have fun. But if this is something that's ongoing, then this is something you need to look at. Um, some of the other things that we look at are. Um, uh, uh, brain shrinkage, which you can measure via a volumetric MRI. Um, we look at lipid panels, um, stress management and that kind of thing. So, so we, we take all these factors into account and then we lay them all out and we see where are the risk factors for a particular client that comes in. Um, the neat thing about the Amen clinics where I, I work um, is that Dr. Amen developed a way to see the brain called a SPECT scan, which stands for a single photon emission computerized tomography. So it's just a fancy way of saying we're going to take a nice little 3D image of the brain and we're going to see how it's functioning. So it's really cool in that um, it's very simple. You just lay on a table. This machine moves around your head and takes maybe 20, 30 minutes at max. And there's also a uh, computer tests that, that they do to um, measure your like response or reflect uh, re, um, your reflex time. And then um, then we look at the scan and we see we can see inside the brain. We can see parts. Maybe it's the, you know, the frontal lobe or the temporal lobe or, um, or interior or occipital that aren't receiving oxygen. And Dr. Amen has correlated those particular parts of the brain to say, um, how they link. So um, parts of the brain that, um, you know, respond to um, anxiety or depression, or you may be prone to more, more Alzheimer's based on these patterns that we see in these scans. And he's done, you know, hundreds of thousands of them. So it's kind of neat. I've had mine done. I kind of wish I had had mine done years ago when I was suffering and sick to have a comparison. But for now, it looks good. I'm really happy with the way that my brain looks. So I have to think and, and, you know, envision that I made some improvement when I made my lifestyle changes. So at least I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> you know, dementia and Alzheimer's usually is a pretty slow process and it takes years and years to develop. So a lot of people, you know, don't put a whole lot of effort into prevention strategies until mm -hmm. you start getting to the point where it's too late. So the people coming into the clinic, are they at that point where it's too late? Or are these people that are trying to get ahead of it, they might have family members that have had it um, already. And so they're trying to, you know, take care of their own brain health before it gets too bad. It runs the gamut. We get younger people who um, are trying to prevent brain brain issues. Maybe they're maybe they're thriving corporate um, CEOs who want to stay on top of their game in their 40s who, you know, want to prevent this. Um, or maybe, you know, it's someone in their 50s who walks into a room and forgets what they came in there for um, or forgets, you know, the exit as they're driving down the, the freeway. Um, you know, just these little minor slip ups are some clues that something's going on and it's time to take a more serious look and at your lifestyle to see if there's something that um, is contributing to some of these risk factors that are associated with um, memory and cognition issues. And then of course we get, you know, 80 and 90 and even my oldest client was 101. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. So, so we get the full gamut of people throughout the spectrum of the disease who are want, just wanting to prevent all the way to having, you know, full blown Alzheimer's. Um, so I've, I've seen 
I've seen it all. And um, my advice is to take a proactive approach. And even if you don't want to take it as far as the aim and clinic, you need to do some of the, the lifestyle and the preventative um, things that you know that we know can have an effect so that you don't have to face this because it it is very hard. We're we're just really on the edge of learning how to um, I don't want to say reverse because it, it, there's only been a couple of instances where I've seen like really, you know, great reversal of some of the um, of the disease. But we're we're just on the edge of learning um, how all of this, how it even happens, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, but some of the, if you want to talk about some of the the, um, the preventative things that we can do, if you want to dive into that, um, you know, eating eating a healthy nutrient dense diet is is such a <laughs> is is such an overused phrase, but I can't emphasize enough how important it is to make sure that you get a varied diet, that you're eating more than just broccoli as a vegetable, that you're getting out there and getting that full spectrum of, of color. You know, hit up your farmer's market and ask, you know, ask the farmer there, how do I cook this? What is it? What even is this? Oh, it's fennel. Okay, go home and YouTube it and Google it. And there's tons of videos that will show you how to cut fennel or kohlrabi and how to put it into your stir fry or um, how to use the fronds to, you know, spice up a curry. Um, it's really important that we don't get into these food ruts and start avoiding major groups of food that um, or even vegetables that can be beneficial to us. It's really important that we source really good, high quality food as, as much as you can afford. So when we did this food switch for me 10 years ago and my family too, it wasn't just me, it's uh, my husband and our two kids. I started putting things that we, that most people consider um, to be luxuries. I, I got rid of them. I got rid of the satellite radio. We stopped buying, you know, tchotchkes and things around the house. Um, we don't have fancy cars, but I do source some really good, amazing grass-fed food from my local farmer. And yeah, it's more expensive, but this is this is what's really important to me sourcing and buying the best high quality food that, that we can afford. Um, and that doesn't mean that I have to have, you know, superfood shipped from Peru to me. That's, you know, uh, even, even though I might try some every now and then, but that doesn't, that doesn't need to be a, a part of your, your diet. Um, if you can just source some really good high quality grass fed meat and pasture raised, um, you know, turkeys and chickens and eggs, and then, and then maybe, um, you know, shop the farmer's market or, or get, um, belong to a, a CSA, community supported agriculture, where you get a, you know, a shipment or a box of fruit and vegetables every week. Um, I, I know a lot of people who live in food deserts around the United States and they don't have access to these things. So I encourage them to try to, you know, grow some really good organic kale in a pot on, you know, on their back porch if possible or grow fresh berries. Um, you know, all of these things can make a difference in your health. So, so sourcing the best food that's free of herbicides, pesticides and fungicides genetically modified organisms so look for that little label if you buy something that says it's non-gmo project verified um we have to figure out a way to get away from the the, the chemically laden foods because that is a huge part of our health decline is a lot of these chemicals um then omega-3 fats getting enough of the good fatty fish um sardines mackerel, herring, um, anchovies. So I was just recently in Italy and um, it's summertime and the, you know, the, uh, the fish is, was fresh and the vegetables were amazing. And I ate a lot of local foods, but for four days in a row, for some reason I kept ordering foods and everything had fresh anchovies on it. <laughs> so I had a salad with anchovies and I had a little antipasto with anchovies. And then there was like a little fried dish and it had fried anchovies. And I was like, Oh my God, these people love their anchovies. Um, you know, and they were really good. They were actually delicious so much so that when I got home from my trip, I went to the local grocery store I bought a little tin of Italian you know sardines I put them on my salad and my 13 year old was like wow what are those and I was like 
Mm, is she going to eat it? They're anchovies, honey. You want to try them? And she pulled them right out of the tin and ate them and loved them. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I have to, you know, this, I'm going to put this on Instagram. <laughs> like this, this is bananas, you know? So, um, so anchovies have become a part of our, our diet here. Oh, with some prosciutto because man, Italians have make some good prosciutto. But um, but so getting your good omega-3 fats is really important. And it's a really good blood marker to look at, too. Not a lot of conventional doctors are testing your omega-3, 6, and 9 ratio. And that's really important because if you're eating out a lot, you could have a lot of really high omega-9 from all the soybean and the canola oil that's in all the restaurant food. So that's a that's a really good marker. You can get some plant-based omega omega-3s too from like flax and chia seed and walnuts have a scant amount, but you know, if you eat fish, it's really it's really important to try to get some of those smaller fish that are lower in mercury like your um, sardines and salmon and halibut um, um, the anchovies, as I mentioned, and try try one. Just try one and, and see if you can if you can stomach it. <laughs> They're really good. I don't I don't recommend the jarred ones that are just sitting in that salty water because the fish absorb it and they're super salty. They're not really great, but the fat the fresh ones without all the salt were were actually very tasty. They really didn't have a fishy taste. It was just more like um like tuna, but milder, I would say. Um, and then um, one of the modalities that we use at the Amen Clinic is um, HBOT or hyperbaric oxygen chamber therapy. And basically it, it, it works by just by pushing oxygen into the brain, by pushing it into those areas that aren't receiving the oxygen. So it's great for folks who even um, not just dementia, but um, those who are in car accidents or sustain a brain injury or, you know, fall downstairs or fall off their bike and they have an injury, it, it pushes oxygen into, into that area the same way in which exercise does. So not as, um, HBOT obviously works, you know, a little bit um, more forcefully, but um um, maybe there's lots of places around the United States that actually have centers now that have HBOT ch um, chambers and you can rent them out and use them just like you can, like an infrared sauna, which is really great for detoxing, by the way. But um, exercise is crucial to do every day. We have to push that oxygen into our brain. We have to move our lymphatic system. So making sure that someone is at least walking or swimming or doing some sort of yoga it's harder as they age to get some of the 80 and the 90 year old clients to, to move and to do those kinds of things. So that's where the HBOT would come in, come in handy for that. If they're, if their modality is limited in that capacity. Um, and so back to the food really quickly. Um, I do want to talk about alcohol for just a second because okay. um when when I see the scans, the brain scans of people who are drinkers versus those who are not, it's a big difference. Um, and 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 then again, you can look at, at liver enzymes and things like that and see how your body's processing that. But for women, so I'm going to talk to talk to you ladies here for a second. Women over forty the amount of alcohol dehydrogenase, which is an enzyme that breaks down alcohol in the liver, it actually decreases but as we age. But as, um, as a species by itself, we actually have less than men. So we already start out with a smaller amount of this enzyme to break out alcohol in the first place. That's why it, it just affects us you know, even, even more so than men, not, not so much somewhat due to size variant, but mostly because we don't have as much of this enzyme. It decreases as we age. So we lose that ability to break down the alcohol. So it sits in the liver longer. You have toxins in the liver longer. Um, and it affects us. So, um, you know, I have a lot of clients who are like, I am not giving up my nightly glass of red wine. That's just, just not happening, Cindy. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. And then as we start and we work together, we get through the process and I say, let's just take it out for a week and see how you feel. 
Um, they're sleeping better. The insomnia is gone. Maybe the hot flashes are gone. The night sweats are gone. They're like, oh my God, it's my alcohol. What am I going to do? I'm like, I told you, but you know, um, they have to kind of see and do for themselves. Um, but you'll know if it's, if it's bothering you or affecting you sometimes, even when you drink it, if you get a flush or, or a redness or like I get hives on my chest when I drink red wine. So I just know that it's not serving me. And if it takes you way too long to recover the next day, you're headachey, you're brain foggy, you're, you're sleepy. Um, you know, that's just, it's telling you that it's not for you and you know, it's okay. I, you know, if somebody wants to have a, you know, glass of wine or a celebratory drink now and then. I mean, I still do every once in a while. I had a, a you know, a little Prosecco when I was in Italy, but, um, but as a general rule, I'm not going to just like go out to a restaurant and have a, have a drink, or I'm not going to sit at home and, and have alcohol anymore. If I just don't have it around, or if I do, I'll have a glass of some fizzy water and put a lime or a lemon in there. And it looks like, it looks like a cocktail, or maybe I'll have some kombucha, you know, some, or some fizzy, fizzy beverage, but um, I think as a society, we, we celebrate, we drink too, too much and it's not serving our bodies. Um, so I'll get off my pedestal, for, <laughs> for but, um, when you, when you see it on a scan, it, it changes your mind a little bit. So have you been able to look at different scans and see, okay, if you drink once a week, then it does this to the brain. If someone drinks once a day um, or someone that drinks once a month, have you been able to see the scans and be able to see the changes that way? No, I mean, it's pretty expensive to have a brain scan done. And, you know, I, I think it would be, oh, that would be an interesting experiment to try, but it's mostly, um, you know, over a long period of time. So, you know, like clients will come into the clinic and they'll have a brain scan initially. And then, you know, six months, you know, later they'll have their follow-up scan. And that's really where we can see, you know, most of the change take place. And, and for the most part, you know, if, if you're there, you're there because you've, maybe you've tried everything or most of the clients that come to us have, have come to us as a, as a last resort, which is unfortunate because if they came to us first, that would cut out a lot of wasted time and effort and money. Yeah. But, um, um, unfortunately some people do come to us last, you know, because they're like, it's like, I, you know, I really want to figure this out. Um, but so they're very determined and they follow everything to the letter of the T that we, we, you know, recommend for them. And we say, don't, you know, don't drink and they don't do it. They, you know, most of the times we, we do see an improvement in their brain scan, but it's usually because, you know, of all these factors together, um, you know, the improved diet, the improved sleep, getting rid of some of the toxin exposure, looking at even, you know, your personal care and your cleaning products. Um, uh, we haven't talked about water yet, but water, you know, water is extremely important to filter your water in the United States. You know, if you're, if you're not living right next to a fresh spring, <laughs> which most of us aren't, not able to glass bottle at the source, it's really important if you're getting municipal tap water to filter it um, get rid of the hexavalent chromium and the cadmium and the arsenic and um, trihalomethanes and the chlorine even that's drying to your skin and hair. Um, so I, um, I live in an area where, you know, we have some toxins in the water. So I have not only a whole house filter, um, it was about six or 700 bucks, but um, that's to take care of all the shower heads. And then on my drinking water underneath the sink, I have a reverse osmosis system that has a remineralizer because reverse osmosis does remove all and it removes beneficial mineral minerals that are in the water. So my particular system has a remineralizer that puts some of that back in, or if you don't have that, you can use trace minerals or add some really good high quality sea salt to, to your water. Um, but it's because, you know, I drink a lot of it and we all should, you know, the brain needs water and it needs fat to function. So, um, you know, hydrating your brain is very important and getting really good quality water is very important. 
Yeah, I've always joked about um, if I could go up every week to the mountains and load up on fresh glacier water, I totally would, but that would be extremely heavy to pack down. So it's not <laughs> going to happen. Yeah. Um, Ken, let's go back to the movement and exercise part to get more oxygen to the brain. Mm -hmm. Is there specific types of exercise that you're trying to do? Is cardio good? Or are you trying to do like high intensity workouts or just movement in general? Um, I honestly think that any kind of movement that you can do is beneficial, even if it's just walking a couple of miles a day. Um, you know, um, I, you, you want to get something obviously that gets your heart rate up that move, you know, so, um, because that's going to drive that, that oxygen to the brain. So, you know, whether it's swimming or walking or yoga, something that is, is strenuous, and, and, um, gets your heart rate up is what you're looking for. Um, even if, even if it's just, you know, taking your dog out for a walk, as long as it's a good clip and you're really, you know, you're, you're panting, you want to, you want your breath to be a little, somewhat labored so, so that you can breathe that oxygen in and be able to drive it to the brain. Mm. That's really important. And then um, we had Ryan Glatt on, I want to say episode 34, but not sure about that. Um, and when he does exercise, they do a lot of stuff with brain and movement. Um, they do like uh, different types of commands or whatnot when people are moving. So it could be like a color command or it could be like a, a direction. So as people are moving, then they have to adjust and change what they're doing. So it's getting their brain to fire. Mm -hmm. um, have you played with that at all to increase that oxygen flow to different regions of the brain? I think that would be fabulous because at the same time you're now you're you're taxing the the brain to actually think and function rather than just going out for a walk. Uh, Dr. Amen loves ping pong. Like that's mm. his all-time highest recommended exercise um, because of the hand-eye coordination and just you know the movement. So that's, he recommends ping pong to everyone. <laughs> loves mm -hmm. it, loves it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be very similar to the idea. Cause every time you hit the ball, it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely, you're adjusting to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and now for the diet part, you were talking about uh, whole nutrient-dense foods. Um, people will always ask, and I'm sure I know the answer that you'll give, um, is there a specific dietary template that they should follow, like a ketogenic diet or something along those lines that's better for brain health? Or I'm assuming you're going to say it's more bio-individual. Well, not exactly. I mean, obviously, any diet is bio-individual. So you know, based on your, your likes, your dogma, your, maybe even your religion, you know, versus, you know, whether or not you eat meat or, or not. Um, so obviously we, you know, you have to take that into an account. However, um, if we play around with the macros a little bit, there's a lot of science that backs up, um, a higher fat diet can be more beneficial for improving brain health. Um, so not to go all the way into um, ketogenic um, uh, specifically. However, the ketogenic diet, which is, you know, a very, very high fat, low carb, very low sugar diet was actually originally and uh, its purpose, original purpose was um, they found that it severely reduced the amount of seizures in epileptic children. So playing around with that, they also discovered, oh, and these kids are losing weight at the same time. So we sort of extrapolated that and we've, we've hung on to that as a, as a society as being this new diet trend. But not everybody can safely even execute a ketogenic diet because you have to be able to digest the extra fats. And so it's something really important to look at, especially if you're older, and you have compromised digestion, can you digest that high amount of fat? Do you have your gallbladder still? How is it functioning? What about your liver health? Are you on a lot of medications? So those are some questions to ask is um, how well are you digesting your food? So, you know, we might look at a, doing a stool panel. Um, I like either the GI map or Genova's GI effects. And we can look at the gut microbiome and we can see how you're digesting the fats. Um, but a higher fat diet, healthy fats, avocados, 
um, raw nuts and seeds. I love sunflower seeds and pumpkin seeds. Um, uh, olive oil, ghee, which is clarified butter, um, even some pasture-raised lard, coconut oil. Those are some really good healthy fats to get. And of course, your omega-3 fatty acids from fish um, to get into your diet to um, to help the brain because it's a good source of fuel for the brain. So water and healthy fats fueling the brain. Um, uh, and, and, you know, check, checking a lipid panel as well is, it can be important just to make sure that there's not an excess of inflammation or uh, history of atherosclerosis or arterial damage. So it's really important to look at all of that, especially in some of our older clients. We have to look at, we have to look at their lipid panel. But as you and I both know, cholesterol is actually needed. We need cholesterol. It's very protective, and we don't want to have lower levels as we age. We actually need a little bit more cholesterol to help, um, especially as we age. So I hate it when, like, I would say 98, 99% of the clients that come to the Amen Clinic are on a cholesterol-lowering medication, and they all have dementia. Hmm. Wonder, Fascinating. Wonder why that is. <laughs> yep. They're, they're, the function of a cholesterol lowering drug or a statin is to stop the liver from producing cholesterol. So essentially, we're starving the brain of its primary fuel or fat to thrive. So I have an issue with those because I just see it so much and I see that correlation and the the science is there too. So I don't tell people to get off medications. That's what the doctors are there for. But I certainly help them if there's a dietary issue or they're consuming lots of fast foods or they have a high carbohydrate diet, I help them lower their triglycerides that way so that they can manage it through their diet versus a drug. Yeah, we had Jack Wolfson on, who's a cardiologist, and he he is very much against statins. He's like the the science that they run off of for statins lowering cholesterol is like less than a half a percent, anyways. So all the side effects that you can get from being on a statin isn't worth that half a percent of lowering the cholesterol. Yeah. So. Well, there's, and there's lots of things that we can do to, to lower cholesterol through diet and movement and, or even supplementation, you know, if you want to do red yeast rice, for example. But um, I think that um, there's definitely a better way to go about doing that versus, versus the drug. Well, and cholesterol numbers, they increase due to inflammation too. Mm -hmm. So by finding the roots to the inflammation in the body, then you're going to naturally reduce the cholesterol exactly. levels. Yes. So, yep. and that could be a dairy sensitivity that you have no idea that you have. Who knows? Exactly. That's true. <laughs> I had high cholesterol. So, and I, I, you know, but I was also eating Taco Bell and Pop-Tarts, like they were, you know, I mean, if I was too lazy to make dinner with a bowl of cereal, a Pop-Tart and some skim milk, that it was well into my 30s that I ate that way. So it's no wonder <laughs> that, I, mm -hmm. that I had high cholesterol and that all went away when I stopped eating that garbage. So, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> earlier you were talking about... Um, uh, at your clinic, they also check for full thyroid panels, which most people, if they go in for wellness checks, they only check for TSH. Uh, can you briefly talk about how the thyroid influences the brain? <coughs> sure. So, um, first of all, you need if your doctor isn't doing a full thyroid panel, you need to work with a you know functional nutritionist or somebody like myself who can who has access to labs and can run that for you because you need more than just the TSH. You need the T3, the T4, the free T3, free reverse T3. You need to check for your thyroid antibodies. Like almost no conventional medicine doctor is checking for thyroid antibodies because they say they're still going to treat you the same exact way whether you have them or not. So it doesn't make any difference to them. But for us as practitioners, we we take that information and we say, no, let's lower the antibodies. That's that's inflammation in the body. Let's figure out why you have that. Um, why do you have this autoimmune disease? Why is your body attacking the thyroid? So 
um, we need those the thyroid stimulating hormone to help with brain function, to reduce brain fog. When somebody has a super high TSH and they're not converting their T4 into T3, they they feel like they're just walking through mud. Like every step is extremely um, fatiguing. So you can't function in the body without proper thyroid hormones. Same thing with, um, with sex hormones, with the estrogen and the, the progesterone, the testosterone, and the melatonin, the DHEA, too much cortisol. It all affects the brain. So it's important to look get a full thyroid uh, and hormone panel as well. Um, in my private practice, I actually specialize in doing the Dutch um, test for women and men too. But most of my clients are women uh, over 40 dealing with hormone imbalance. And the Dutch test is dried um, urine testing for comprehensive hormones. It looks at how the liver is metabolizing these particular hormones, which can tell us how the, how, what the health of the liver is. It can look at our um, cortisol levels and are you, um, you know, too high, too low? Do you have a wonky diurnal pattern throughout the day? But it's fascinating information because it tells us exactly how the estrogen is being um, converted and metabolized and what pathway in the body. So we can look at it. Is it going down a more protective pathway or is it going down that quote unquote dirty estrogen, estrogenic pathway? So it's, it's great information. And I, I love using that tool to help women with um, hormonal issues. Awesome. Well, are there any, um, any things that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure that we touch on before we start wrapping things up? Um, yeah, just one last thing is I think it's really important too that we look at, um, well, two things. Stress is huge. That can be a major contributing factor to every single dysfunction in the body from, from brain health to all kinds of different disorders. So I think it's really important to look at your daily life and say, you know, is my commute stressing me out? How am I physically responding to stress? Are you internalizing things? Do you have an outlet? You know, exercise is a great outlet for managing stress. Um, you know, having a yoga practice or a meditation practice or even journaling or writing down the crap that happened to you in the day, you know, just write it down, wad it up and throw it away and say, I'm done with that, you know. But I think that managing stress is really important um, and, and having the tools to do that. And I love, you know, just some simple breathing exercises like the four, seven, eight breathing exercise where you inhale for four counts, hold for seven, exhale for eight. That's, that's really um, a great tool to get you into that parasympathetic mode. But then lastly, something that I think is really important that, um, that I actually sort of took in on my recent trip to Italy is I spent two weeks there with my best friend to celebrate my 50th birthday, which is um, coming up in a few days. And as I approach 50, <laughs> I say, okay, what do I, what's next for me in life? Um, but as we were in Italy and observing the locals and the people that were there and how they ate and how they worked, it was very, um, it's very different, of course, the United States. And, uh, honest, and, and I was only there for a couple of weeks. But what I gleaned was that um, food was really important to them quality food, their community. Um, if, a, if a neighbor needed something, they, they were over there or they're inviting them over for dinner. They were um, uh, lots of, you know, festivals and markets and people were just gathering around and just talking and hugging one another. Some of the women that were at the villa, um, they were there to, um, you know, cook for us and, and teach us throughout the week that we were in this one villa. I just sat down with them and I said, what are you stressed about? What, what worries you? What concerns you here? And they were just kind of like, like, look, look at me. Like, what are you talking about? I mean, you know, gas prices are high here. And yes, they were. Um, but they, they just really weren't concerned about the same things. They, they didn't suffer from menopause. They, they didn't have crazy hot flashes or insomnia. And I'm trying to figure out, well, what is, what is going on? What's the difference? And, and they just really contributed to their lifestyle and, and how happy they were. Well-adjusted, happy, communal people. So I, I think 
that is really a key. If you can find that sort of utopia or create it yourself with the, the people that you surround yourself with, you know, I think that can go a long way to Im Im improving your health. Yeah, we went down to uh, Patagonia a couple years ago, mm. and um, I can't speak for all of Chile, but the region that we were in, you know, lunchtime, everyone would go home for like two, three hours and just spend time with um, each other, with the family, sit down, have a nice um, lunch together. And it was almost frustrating for us because, of course, we're traveling and we're like, we would like some food for lunch. Yeah. And nothing's exactly. open. Yeah. But I mean, that's how they are. And they're just kind of relaxed and they're going with the flow of the day. And then they stay up kind of late and party and have a good time. But everyone there was super just relaxed and stress free. Mm -hmm. It was a lot different than what we're used to. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think that's it's that's cultural. And, you know, we're sort of driven that way in the United States. And but we adapted, you know, while we were there, we we're like, okay, we can't just go all day and expect to eat at 3 p.m. for a late lunch. The, you know, everything's closed. The shops are closed. So, you know, we started eating earlier and, and enjoying that long, you know, communal lunch and sat at big, long tables with other people and joined in conversations and met our travelers. And it made it such a different experience. And I think that if we try to do that a little bit here, I, I think it would I think it would be kind of neat. So. I'm going to try it. <laughs> well, we're going to put you in charge of creating a community like that. Yes, I love <laughs> Somewhere. it. Somewhere. I love it. Well, I, I, I mean, I try to do that with my neighbors now and, you know, and have people over for Sunday brunch or, you know, um, community potluck and things like that. Because I, I think that's really important that you have a supportive network of people that you're in and know that if you if you need something or you're sick that a neighbor might step in and help you and i, I think that 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 would just be amazing we have that in a lot of communities here yeah i agree well my final question for you is do you have a morning routine and if so what is it um so for the most part i like to get my workout done in the morning I just feel so much better throughout the day. If I can wake up, I immediately put my workout clothes on and I get my workout done. It, it's sort of like my reflection time. I mentally wrote my first book in my head one morning on a workout. I wrote my second one that's still in my head. It has, it's, not, it's not done yet. I'm still working on it. But my second book, you know, hopefully be done within a year. But it's just like... Um, that workout time, that free time in the morning is just my creative space. And um, it, it, I've, I've sat on it on a rainy day on my on my stationary bike and and mentally written a blog post in my head. So, you know, it's just it allows for that that free thinking, creative flow to happen for me. And so that that's my my morning routine is I got to have my at least 30 to 45 minutes of workout. And when you're working out to have that access to the creative space, are you not listening to music or anything then? Are you just there with your own thoughts? Um, if I, I used to always have my music on, especially like if I go for a walk and I'd put that, you know, the iPod on and whatnot. But now I actually love having no music whatsoever and just listening to the sounds of nature. Um, I might hear a rustling in a tree and, and see a neat bird or the birds chirping or, or I see deer and bunny and squirrel and foxes on my walks. And I live in a neat community in Northern Virginia where I have access to great walking trails. So I love that. And that is my music. <laughs> but if I'm in my gym, most of the time, yes. Um, uh, I, we, we, um, put a gym in my home cause I have some personal training clients, clients here. So, um, yeah, I'll listen to some music and jam it out and dance my way, you know, into some silliness <laughs> in the morning. Cause I think it's fun and dancing is another great way to get some exercise and keep your body young and limber too. Mm -hmm, for sure. Yeah. Well, people. People can find you at unlockbetterhealth.com. Uh, you're also on Instagram and Facebook at Unlock Better Health. Uh, thank you, Cindy, so much for coming on. We appreciate it. I loved all the different topics that we talked about in this podcast. It was great. So thank you. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Love, love sharing my information. Yeah, thank you. 
What I found was really neat was how the Amen's Clinic has a whole team of different providers that are creating a really unique experience of care for the clients and the patients that they have coming into their clinic, uh, which is what we've been trying to slowly build to with Summit. We're not quite at the level of the Amen's Clinic, but we're definitely getting there. And I'm really excited about just the direction that we're going with Summit. Um, The other really neat thing about this episode is it really showcased a lot of the other episodes that we have recorded with this podcast and how they all kind of come together because we talked about the keto diet or a higher fat diet and how that can help with dementia and Alzheimer's. And we had a whole episode about the keto diet and Alzheimer's before. Uh, We also talked about Ryan Glatt and how he uses voice commands during exercise to improve oxygen flow to different regions of the brain. Uh, We also talked about the episode we had with Jack Wolfson, where he was talking about cholesterol and how uh, statins might not be the best option to reduce cholesterol, and it can cause more harm than good. And then we've also had episodes with Dr. Brendan Brock talking about concussions and how that can lead to dementia and Alzheimer's and uh, different protocols to help recover faster from concussions. So it's really neat to see all of this starting to come together and seeing all the different resources that you have available to learn more about these different topics that might be something you can relate to. If you go to summitforwellness.com slash 79, then you can see all these resources and it's really easy to find all those episodes. Okay, if you really enjoyed this episode, then please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Those ratings and reviews do help to get the podcast in front of more people, and it just helps to spread the message that we're trying to get out there. So if you go to summitforwellness.com slash Apple, it will take you about 20 seconds to leave a rating and review. Next episode, we have Brian Richards from Sauna Space coming on to talk about near-infrared saunas and uh, red light therapy and how both of those can be beneficial to your health and how they are beneficial. So here is a little clip from that episode. We are here with Brian Richards of Sauna Space. Hey, Brian, what is one unique thing about you that most people don't know? When I was six years old, I shot myself in the eye with a BB gun and ripped my left iris in half. And if you look at me closely, you can see that the upper part of my left eye is black because there's no iris. And um, so um, I thought I've actually uh, everybody thought I was going to be blind, but I ended up surviving and I can still see out of my left eye and I don't know what the psychological um, or metaphysical ramifications of that were, but it definitely um, it definitely affected me for the rest of my life. I, I have too much light goes into my left eye, so I kind of have a asymmetric squint when I'm out in the sunlight. Um, and my left eye sees uh, much better than my right eye. I actually wear glasses or contacts, um, and my the vision in my damaged eye, my where the iris is ripped, is is uh, many times better than my other eye. That's got to be one of the craziest ones we've heard. So that's that's a pretty <laughs> unique thing, that's for sure. Uh, so what are we going to be learning about in our interview together? We'll talk about uh, how we're beings of light and beings of heat. Um, that we have light therapy, we have heat therapy, and. Uh, we want to return to these ancestral methods of, of, of long life and of health and of restoration to, to basically not just survive, but kind of thrive in this modern toxic world we live in. So we'll talk about all that and, and hopefully a little bit about life and about EMF and, and whatever else that we can get to. And then what are your favorite foods or nutrients that you think everyone should get more of in their diet? I'm a big fan of cooking with homemade tallow that's rendered beef fat. And so I cook all of my food in that and I f- pretty strictly follow what's called a Dr. Walls or the Walls protocol diet. So lots of cooked vegetables that are low in lectin and um, lots of lots of animal fat, frankly, lots of yang foods and try to avoid some of the more yin foods like wheat based and um, and sugary type foods. But 
I will admit that I still use butter if I cook my eggs because tallow is, has a strong flavor to it. Um, but I, I'm a big fan of the Walls Protocol approach and um, and eating uh, an animal-based diet, more or less a paleo diet. But whatever you eat, it ought to be fresh and 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 fresh cooked and, and not be anything really out of a box or, or, or prepared or processed. Yeah, you should know exactly what it is. And then what are your top three health tips for anyone who wants to improve their overall wellness? Well, of course, uh, sauna space, sauna use every day. Um, uh, addressing um, natural lighting in your in your environment you live in and you work in. And, and like we said before, addressing your diet as well. I think if you if you strengthen and restore and galvanize the body with these ancestral methods, you're, you're less susceptible to disease and to breakdown and to illness and you're stronger for it. And that puts you in a better position to help others around you and, and be a force force of good on the earth. And there you have it. We have a great episode coming up. So stay tuned until next time and keep on climbing to the peak of your health.